You messing with me, Sid Pro? What are you talking about? You said mile marker 27? I'm at mile marker 27. <laughs> <laughs> Hey Zed Heads, welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Lucy. This is the Walking Dead Cast episode 323. This episode is made possible by Patreon supporters like Emily Reeves, who <gasps> calls in a lot with her great calls. And she also pledged her support at patreon.com slash Jason and Karen. So thank you, Emily. We love you, Emily. <laughs> uh, welcome back. It was good, good to have you back. I missed you. Oh, thanks, bud. I was I was up north, uh, where I'm from, uh, beyond the wall, uh, <laughs> up in Aberdeenshire last week. So that was quite good fun. I went to whiskey country, um, and I took my friend from Holland uh, round. So she was really into all the kind of Scottishy stuff that I don't usually appreciate. So it was a good weekend, but I did miss my podcasting. I want to take that trip sometime. You're you're going to come over here though, right? Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah, San Francisco next year or the year after. But any time a Zed heads in Scotland, uh, hit me up because it's yeah. a tiny place, but there's loads of cool things to see. So <laughs> I would love to do yeah. that. Um, you may get a visit from me and my wife and two kids <laughs> at some point. I would love that. I'd love to see Jenny and Bodie and Nico again as well. <laughs> so before we jump in, um, you got some interesting things going on I wanted to ask you about. So you just turned in your final draft for your thesis. What What is that I all about? I did, yes. Yeah, so, woohoo. Um, yeah. <laughs> so for a doctoral uh, thesis, you have to submit two hard copies for examination by an external examiner uh, from another institution and an internal examiner. I know in the States and Canada, it's a bit different. I think you do it by committee. Um, so here I've just handed in my final draft to my supervisors and once they've read it and hopefully given me any last minute corrections, I'll be able to submit in the next couple of weeks and that will be the end of six years of work. Yay. Nice. So I'm a bit dazed and confused today. So it was <laughs> nice to sit and watch some zombies and space out for a while. <laughs> yeah, this is huge. I mean, I wanted to ask you about it because... I've known you for a while now and, you know, I knew you as a listener first and you'd mentioned that over the years that you were working on it. So it's a big, yeah. big moment. <laughs> it is. And honestly, this podcast got me through uh, so many long bus journeys back at the start, like 2012, 2013. Oh my God. I, like the bus was just it's such a annoying journey and it was just nice to have something to listen nice. to. It made the bus something to look forward to. So, so yeah. then when you're on the podcast, can it still have that effect or... It kind of ruins it for you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I 
I think I'm a bit weird because I actually don't hate listening to myself. I don't either. My friends really hate <laughs> listening to themselves. And I'm like, no, it's fine. I don't mind it. Yeah, that's um, great. I so love yeah, that. It's good. I don't mind. I mean, I don't sit and listen to myself like all day, every day. But um, for example, I listen to the Women of Podcastica episodes and I usually listen back to make sure I don't sound like too much of a <laughs> dickhead. But yeah, no, it's been good. It's, it's good. And I'm looking forward to kind of the next chapter and seeing what happens. I mean, I've said all this. The draft's probably going to come back with like, you're not going to pass. This has to be rewritten. Like, you can come back in a year, but we'll see. We'll see. Oh, man. I mean, could the, if they have just a few problems with it, then could it be revised quickly or is, does it have to oh, yeah. take that long? Okay. Yeah. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that's what will happen. But cool. now that I've said that, it'll probably come back with like, this is all wrong. Why did we ever let you write this? No, go back to your zombies, uh, that kind of thing. <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> I have a good feeling about it, but we'll see. Yeah, keep, keep us crossed. posted. <laughs> so uh, what did you think about last week's episode with Morgan and... Wendell and Sarah and Jim. It, I feel like I understand it better having watched this week's. Like I feel like I'm getting more of a sense of what the show is doing. I was a bit. I don't know how I felt about last week's. I liked some of the, some of it, and really disliked other bits of it. Mm. But I loved listening to Kristen on the podcast with you. She's such a gem, and I've really missed her. Well, um the game of thrones podcast has been off air so it was a real yeah. joy to get to listen to the two of you discuss it um nice. Kristen, you're amazing <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's coming back on pretty soon here i think we're going to be podcasting about game of thrones I, I know i keep saying that but it looks like hopefully it'll be in the next week or two amazing yeah. oh that's fab all right let's get into this week's episode attention shoppers deadcast top five in five four three all right it's our dead cast top five this week it's our top five highlights for fear the walking dead season four episode 12 week um what'd you think about this one in general i liked it actually i'm gonna be good cop this week i yeah, did you enjoy are because I, <laughs> <laughs> I knew i was gonna be i knew it um i did i enjoyed it um i think my partner always accuses me of liking things where nothing happens. He's like, you you always like like the <laughs> shit segments of shows where nothing happens and they just talk about their feelings. I'm like, yeah, they're the best ones. So um, <laughs> maybe this is a, a failing on my part. But no, I enjoyed it. I thought it was quite interesting. I uh, did. What, the same thing happened to me that happens a lot where I liked it better the second time through. And in part, that's because um, usually the first time through, I just watch it straight through and I don't stop or take any notes or mm -hmm. even think too much. If something comes up that I'm like, oh yeah, I got to remember that, then I'll write it down. But anyway, then second time through, I really pause and try to uh, figure out, you know, what the writer's intentions were and the connections and everything. And mm -hmm. that makes me appreciate it more, which I did. But first time through and even a little bit the second time, I thought, oh man, I'm so bored. And I don't, it, these are the characters that I'm not as taken with. I mean, I do like mm. them, but not as much as uh, uh, John Dory and Morgan and stuff. And mm -hmm. so, and I feel like the themes um, are a little bit repetitive and, and the formula is just getting old to me. It's like feeling like it's having diminishing returns. I mean, mm. I do appreciate the idea of helping strangers, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, and different things that came up in the episode, but 
it, it just feels like it's having diminishing returns for me it, to the point mm. where I'm actually thinking that uh, after this season, I might not want to cover fear anymore. <laughs> oh, um, I've got to convince actually, you otherwise now. <laughs> I, I think I want to cover, I mean, I think I'll always want to keep abreast of Fear the Walking Dead and at least do episodes where we talk about, you know, okay, let's talk about the half season that just happened, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't know right now. I'm feeling like I'm not sure I want to keep going episode by episode. I, I don't know. Maybe this is just what I'm thinking right now. We still have mm. what four more episodes left, right? No, I was going to yeah, ask that. More. Is it because the mid season finale, had we had eight episodes by that? Or was it just six? Eight. Is it a 12 episode season? 16. Oh, 16. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we've got, four more after yeah. this week right it's, no it's okay. 12 and, and this was the season finale we just watched it it was amazing oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bleak ending <laughs> it could end up being even bleaker uh yeah 16 so four more left so we're kind of right in the middle of the back half i guess you could say mm. so yeah that's that's what i'm thinking i want to know what listeners um what your reaction to me having just said that is but um having said i hope that didn't sound too much of a downer because i think there is a lot to dive into this uh in this mm. episode so here we go okay what's your number five so my number five i'm gonna go for the direction of this episode because you know who the director was it was common domingo aka strand yeah and I did think it felt a little different in terms of the way that things were shot. And I was keeping an eye out for it because he's been kind of all over Instagram uh, about directing and it seems like he's quite excited about it. So I thought, oh, well, you know, let's pay some attention to this. But I really Absolutely. enjoyed a couple of aspects of it. I thought overall his direction was quite simple, but quite arty. I think he's a theatre guy originally. So I he wonder is. if that's where some of it came from. I really enjoyed, he used a couple of montages, just little quick time jump cuts. So with Althea and June in the van and with June searching for the medication, there were some really quite snappy montages to show passages of time. I liked very much the uh, opening shot after the credit screen of kind of Mad Max Walker Road with the walker stuck in the the van. I thought that was Mm -hmm. quite badass. There was quite a lot of shots where the vehicles were kind of framing and there were walkers in the background, so viewing things out of the back of Althea's van or through the windscreen or through windows. I enjoyed that quite a lot as well. There was also a really nice shot of the van through, I think, Althea's legs after she had uh, shot the gun into the air. And they were playing some quite cool music in the background that was a bit sort of Nick Cave-esque, which appealed to me. Hmm. I also, I wanted to give Coleman Domingo credit, I actually liked the car chase. I really don't usually like car chases. They usually make me want to just go and make a cup of coffee. But I did actually like that one because it felt a bit more real than some of the car stuff that we've seen. It was quick for one thing. I I did uh too. And it was functional. It wasn't yeah. like, we're just going to chase each other. It was just like, all oh, right, okay, we're going to try and get this. It's like, yeah, they're taking my van and I want it. So I'm going after it. Yeah. I've been, I mentioned this. Um, I was on Strange Indeed recently talking about Castle Rock and uh, mm. Reem and I went on this long tangent about how uh, car road rage. And I've been watching these road rage videos on YouTube and I had a little Amazing. road rage myself recently. <laughs> so anyway, it kind of reminded me of that. <laughs> it's inter- Yeah, road rage is... I kind of want to, you've 
piqued my interest now. I want to go and watch road rage videos and see what kind of stuff people do. You hear about like crazy murders and stuff with road rage. Yeah. Like people just completely lose it. Oh yeah. Like the my favorite ones are the ones, and this is awful to say, but where the person just go, gets so mad that they don't care anymore and they're all of a sudden they're like they're in a crash up derby. They're just gramming into everything. It's, oh my goodness. It's dark. Like I, the reason why it came up is because Castle Rock is a really dark show and i thought mm. you know the darkest thing i've seen recently is watching those videos and yeah. people are at their worst well it's kind of relevant to fear because i think right back at the start when madison and travis are stuck in traffic and there's kind of one of the first walker encounters people think it's a road rage thing uh let me think madison uh wait i forgot what happened um, so they're, I can't remember if they're going to get Chris or something, it's uh-huh. way back in the day, but it's the video they're all watching at school and it's a guy getting out of a car and he gets shot and gets back up oh, again. Oh, yeah. And I'm pretty sure someone comments that it looks like a road rage gone wrong, <laughs> which I thought was quite interesting. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you just reminded me of the days when this show was unique. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually got a timer going to see how long it would take for us to... For me to... Right. Um, anyway, sorry to well, interrupt. Well, um, on that note, the last thing I had about Coleman's direction was there's a really nice shot where June is basically having a bit of a go at Althea about lying and the fact that she nearly killed this guy and she's sort of looking down at her sitting beside the van. It's quite an adversarial position. But once she kind of hacks through that exterior for Althea, once they kind of reach common ground, she sort of slumps to the ground beside her and they've both got their back to the car. And it mirrors one of my favourite shots from the main show, which is from episode A, just after they've had their in- kind of altercation with the claimers. Mm-hmm. And it's Rick and Daryl sitting with their backs to oh, the I car. Oh, I remember that. Yes, very both good Both just scene. totally shell-shocked. It. And it just, it reminded me of that. And I quite like that idea of kind of sitting beside one another as being sort of real kind of camaraderie and friendship you know that's Mm -hmm. kind of a movement to like we're in this together what are we going to do next sort of thing Mm -hmm. so i enjoyed that and i think yeah like i say coleman domingo's direction it was more character driven and maybe more theater like than some of the more televisual episodes but i did i really enjoyed it so thanks coleman if you're listening which i'm sure you are (laughs) (laughs) sitting next to the car um that reminds me too that in real life i've been in situations where i remember once i was walking with somebody and we got into an argument this was when i was like a teenager and so we ended up walking on other uh, opposite sides of the street going the same direction but across from each Mm -hmm. other and then something happened like some maybe a fight broke out or something and then then all of a sudden that person and i just totally forgot about our argument we were on the same side of the street totally together like sometimes when something dramatic happens it can in the aftermath of the shock you're just brought together in the moment yeah and it's really simple things like that that make it kind of human you know yeah, but i think yeah. that sometimes it gets lost in this big kind of zombie mm-hmm. apocalypse thing and i just thought that was it was just two people hashing something out and then kind of resolving it and putting it behind them to an extent and i just i really like the kind of simplicity of it and just the way it was framed, I thought was really cool. I don't have very good sort of uh, vocabulary when I'm talking about uh, film esque things. That's all right because then we'll speak in ways that everyone else can understand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't, blah, I don't blah, of the BBB. Yeah, no, I thought, I thought it looked nice. It looked nice, made feel good, nice, happy, well done. Like, yeah, well, I'm, face. I'm really glad that you had that point because I, 
I think Coleman Domingo is just an, an awesome guy. He's such a a great. Oh, you've met him, hey? A couple of times, yeah, and he's <sighs> incredibly sweet and really electric in the panels and just all around thumbs up for me on Coleman, everything Coleman Domingo. So, and I, I, I would guess, I don't know if this is true that this was probably part of his negotiations for staying on the show. Who knows? But anyways, to be able to direct yeah. an episode and, and, and also I'm glad that you're playing good cop this week because you're actually already making me like the episode more than I did. So that was great. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, it, what will happen is I'll come out like, God, that was shit. And you'll come out like, I feel okay about things. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the balance right. of the world will be wrong. Yeah. We'll just like bring, you know, you can bring me up and I'll bring you yeah, down exactly. <laughs> to, to the middle. What was your number five? Like we'll both be in the middle of the road. Uh, let's exactly. see. So mine is, is fixation. I noticed there were people fixated on things. Uh, oh. Althea is fixated on this van and Mm -hmm. she at first says you know that van is what's going to keep us breathing so we think that it's about well it's her van for one thing it's my van it's badass but you know it's about staying alive and so she immediately used June's own fixation because June she was um, what was she a nurse or something yes yeah. Yeah. So she's a healer and she's intent on getting Althea some antibiotics. And so Althea quickly just totally co opted that fixation and used it to serve yeah. her own. Um, but then we find out that she, by lying and saying that there's antibiotics in the van and sending June mm-hmm. after it. But r- then we find out that really what she's fixated on is saving the tapes because she's got video of the people that she's, that she loves and cares about in there mm-hmm. and she doesn't want to leave them behind. So I think that was really, really important to her. And, and to mm-hmm. be honest, um, it lowered her in my estimation a bit to, uh, interesting to not that she's wanting to save the tapes but that she lied to june because that's really important to send somebody off in the zombie apocalypse chasing after someone in your truck i mean it's very dangerous and mm-hmm. so she manipulated her in order to get her own way and i don't know maybe there's no other way to do it but maybe she could have just said I really want my van back because it's going to save us. And also I have tapes in there. Can you please go get it? You Mm -hmm. know, she could have tried that. And I think if, um, if somebody did that to me where I just risked my life and found out it was for a lie, I might just not ever want to see them again in the zombie apocalypse. I would totally lose trust for them. I think it's, I, I, okay. Right. I think that's interesting because I have kind of similar feelings, but sort of different perspectives about it. Um, I think with Althea's character, I wrote halfway through the episode, what was interesting about this episode for me with her was, and this relates to fixation, is I think out of everyone this season, she seemed the most together. Like, she's quite detached from things. She's quite powerful. Like, the first time we see her rocking in on the van, looking down at the guys, like, everything okay here, she's got this authority and this power that some of the other characters just don't have. And I thought this episode stripped that away. Yeah. And what you were saying about it lowering your opinion or respect for it, I can I can see that. I can see where you're coming from with it, but for me it kind of humanized her a little bit more. Um it was a weakness, but 
I liked it because it felt like, oh, this is a person. This is a fallible person. It's not just this like superwoman war correspondent who doesn't give a fuck and is really together and has her shit completely sorted. It's like, actually, she is a bit irrational when it comes to things that she loves. I think two things about the um, the kind of lie that she tells June. One, and this is like my negative Nancy point, is is it really that much of a surprise that Althea has tapes of people she loved? Like, they played it like it was a big reveal, but I was like, in a way, I feel like it would be weirder if she didn't. Like, I don't think that's that big of a surprise. Mm -hmm. Um, And in terms of what you were saying about her manipulating June, I think there's a couple of things I would say. One is that she looked pretty sick and maybe wasn't thinking the most rationally that she could have been thinking at that point. And two is that like you say, it is asphyxiation. It's unhealthy. And I think in this episode, you get an idea of just how stuck she is on that van as being her identity. And so while she did manipulate June, I think that the trust they have between them is maybe not as strong as others in the group. Like they don't know that much about each other. I mean, all she knows about June is that she does run away and she's not above doing things like that. So I'm a little more forgiving of that than maybe I would be if I was June in that situation. But it doesn't seem to me to be something that outrageous in terms of character behavior in this universe and what people value in the apocalypse. I mean, I agree definitely that her all her actions in this episode made her more of an interesting character with more um, layers and texture and depth and everything. And I like, I mean, I love flawed characters, so she's a better character uh, for this episode. Um, I think not only you mentioned stripped her identity because the van is a big part of her identity, but the camera too, the batteries go out and that's even bigger, Mm. a bigger part of her identity, I would say. So that Mm -hmm. was interesting to me. Like, Oh good. She's, she doesn't have that to hide behind anymore. Let's see how she's going to be without it. But I, I would argue strongly that it's more than to say that she's a bit irrational to send someone off possibly to their death uh, on the basis of a lie. I think that's pretty serious. So I think that's where you and I probably disagree. I mean, I, like I say, I think it makes her a better character, but if then yeah. you have to look at it on two levels, or at least I do. And so then if I'm like, just like how I was pretty upset when Carol killed Karen and David I'm like what she I feel killed like, a I feel couple like... people like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think um well I think we should never take a road trip together because I think it's obvious where our priorities would lie if the car broke down um <laughs> and be uh yeah no okay, well I, if we I do take, take a road trip and you want me to help you uh, then if you're honest I'll help you we'll just say it that way but if you lie to me well, and then I go like... risk my life and find out it's a lie then yeah that's probably not a good idea <laughs> But what if I'm like, no, it was videotapes of my cats. I miss them so much. Okay, that's not <laughs> no, if it's reason. cats, I'll go back. That's fine. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah, I think you're maybe, I think maybe I'm under, under, maybe, and maybe I'm in this position where this is my feelings about June. Like, and that's one of my points for later is like, I'm not, I still don't know where I stand on her. So like if Al had done that to like, I don't know, Alicia or John or Morgan I might be more angry but because I'm kind of ambivalent about June I think maybe I'm a bit more like that makes sense who cares about her well like Um, what's who's a character that you don't like in the Walking Dead universe male or female oh good question Uh, that if you met personally you don't think you would care for 
I, I mean, Negan's an obvious one. Yeah. So what if it was Negan <laughs> and he sent, I don't know, who's one of your favorite characters? Oh, uh, 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 Michonne. Michonne. So Negan tells Michonne, yeah. I need my antibiotics. And then when she come, then she gets to the van and says, I, they're not here. And he goes, oh, I lied. I just wanted to save my van. I would first of all say, like, Michonne, you're fucking stupid. <laughs> Negan's a piece of shit. And also, but they just met, never die. So. <laughs> yeah, right. I hear you. No, so, I do so. hear I think I'm being a bit subjective about it. But I do it's also fine. think, I mean, like, she is so irrational in that moment like i don't think absolutely. i don't know i think i think if something had happened she would have felt pretty bad about it but that's not i a would great, hope so uh yeah i know that's not a great <laughs> consolation like you know oh i mean if it had happened i would have felt bad about it but yeah okay i i i'll let you win this one <laughs> i guess yeah, I mean, yeah it was appreciated. <laughs> i mean it's an interesting <laughs> argument for sure i i did also think well gosh why didn't she just take the tapes if in the first place before they left if mm. they were that big of a deal but yeah i it, it freaks me out it's one of the things about the zombie apocalypse that always sticks with me is like i'm quite a i'm not a hoarder but i do get attached to like things and to be that attached to those kind of things like material possessions in the apocalypse is probably a real hindrance like yeah it makes you irrational it makes you do silly things and to be attached to something like that van which is so you know, it's huge for one thing. And in some ways it's great because it's so impenetrable. But as you say, you know, just pick up the things, pick up a video, pick up something and take it with you. But it's to value that whole package, yeah, that whole thing. For sure. And it's, it's practical though. I mean, to have that. Oh movie. yeah. But that, that actually brings me to the next part of this point, because really mm. it's not the physical tapes. It's the, it's uh, Althea's attachment to the past and the people that she mm. loved and that leads into a great part of the episode where June is telling her, look, we're here now. And there's people like they have to make the decision whether to go and try to find Morgan, who they just heard on the walkie talkie, but he could be gone any minute or go back yeah. to the van and try to get the tapes. And and June convinces her, look, let's just live in the moment and and and, you know, grab a hold of what we have right now rather than being mm -hmm. uh, holding on to the past. And then I think June is even in that moment talking herself even more into for sure uh john because that's the other fixation june's been fixated on john watching the tapes of him until the camera battery dies and i feel like that's also a manifestation of her questioning her own actions of leaving him mm -hmm. and and her character about what kind of a person she is and wants to be and mm -hmm. as the episode goes along i think she realizes more and more no i need to go back and grab hold of that guy just kiss him as much as i can you know stuff like that oh i mean we're all there we're all there with you june <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean there's a point she went back to see videos of john dory i mean that's a whole different kettle of fish like i mean you could tell loads of lies if it meant that you were preserving artifacts of him so once <laughs> again true, i forgive yeah. Althea. <laughs> john dory uh fan club t-shirts yep yeah soon coming to a youtube channel near you <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what's your number four? Um, well, I had Alsvan and Althea actually as a point, so this seems like a good place to to go into. I mean, I think I've pretty much covered a lot of it. I thought it was interesting that this episode we find out the van is how they recharge things. So the van clearly generates power that allows them to recharge their radios, mm -hmm. which intrigued me. And camera, I um, think too. Yeah, the fact that she was so fixated on the past really surprised me. 
And one of the things she says, people I love, not people I loved. And that makes me think that she's actually, like you say, having a real difficulty giving yeah. that up. And what did she say about being, um, she said, I've been like this a long time. And something about being a reporter means focusing on other people's lives so you don't have your own life or something like that. Yeah. That really was a good um a little getting a little bit more depth on her character too that she kind of hides yeah. behind that well i think my theory that she's a war correspondent is is hanging in there because mm-hmm. i think that's really like her and actually her attitude like her phase when i was a teenager of wanting to be a war correspondent and one of the things i learned was that like something ridiculous percentage of people who go into that line of work have uh are children of divorce or broken homes because wow. apparently it's uh to do with i don't know that's my psychology for the day it's run out but it's quite interesting that that's played into her her character there and i wonder if that's why she's capable of making cutthroat decisions because that was her Mm -hmm. line of work to get the story um i like that that wait did you um at some point i mean obviously you did decide okay i don't want to do this what changed your mind yeah, I sure did. <laughs> I think I read like all the horrible things that could happen. Sure, like, just too dangerous. Do you know what? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I still love reading like a good kind of memoir of someone who's done more interesting things than I have. But <laughs> I think to be honest, I was just like, oh, I don't know. It sounds like you'd have to camp and stuff. And I'm just not that keen on camping. So oh, I'm just going to go for no. That's what I forgot to ask you. Um, This is totally non sequitur kind of, but what was your thesis on? Do you mind saying oh yeah no worries uh, it was on war course oh, no, um, <laughs> um it was on a 16th century collection of scottish poems called the bannatine manuscript which is like if you can imagine that in the 1560s this 23 year old lawyer decided to spend the three months that edinburgh was uh closed off because we had the plague um he spent those three months collecting all his presumably favourite or most important poems in a kind of mixtape, which at that point in his life in in human society meant copying out poem after poem and creating this collection that actually still exists. You can actually go and see it in Mm. the National Library through in Edinburgh. The original. Yeah, yeah. So I looked at that uh, particular collection and I looked at the way that he framed debates about women and uh, the female role in society at that point. And I looked a little bit at how he used comedy to denigrate women and also questions about um, love and desire and how that was expressed in the Mm. 16th century. So, yeah, late medieval, early modern shit, basically. So so he, um, you, you mentioned you look at how he used comedy to denigrate women does that mm. that sounds pretty negative does that mean that you don't like him <laughs> i'd love to meet him um i fi- i think it's really interesting because i think the the best analogy anyone ever gave me was that yeah he's basically making a mixtape and you know the mixtapes i made when i was like 11 or 12 don't necessarily reflect everything i thought at that point but they're a good sort of time capsule so it's interesting to me that he puts certain poems in and take certain poems that you might expect to be there out and there are a lot of misogynist and anti-feminine verses in there and which is where a bulk of the discussion comes from but there are some that are quite different or quite challenging to that view Um, and he's obviously constrained as well by what society in scotland is like at that point because at that point we've got um 
Mary Queen of Scots is on the throne and she's not a very popular figure um, because she is a woman and she's French and she's Catholic and people are up in arms about that. So you actually see him in the process of bringing this manuscript together, you see him change the focus of it almost as her scandalous life unfolds. He starts to sort of dial back on the Catholicism, dial back on the kind of desirable women and go harder into sort of Protestant, thou shalt not love, and women are evil, this is why, kind of thing. And I think it's quite interesting that he's almost like a showrunner playing to his audience. He's saying, well, what would people actually want to read right now? I might want to write this, but what do people actually want to hear? And a lot of it's conjecture on my part, but a lot of it is quite interesting. And I do a lot of um, relating it to sort of modern feminist theory as well, um, which is quite interesting, I think, but obviously a bit contentious at times, but something that I've enjoyed writing about for sure. It's definitely been an interesting thing to look at given everything that's happened in the last six years worldwide. Yeah. So So you said it was uh, when Edinburgh was... Uh, isolated because of the plague is that right yes and so and he's in the middle of that yeah he would have been living in the town um at that point so uh, he was the son of a a lawyer um which meant he would have been quite an upper class gentleman um and he would have been obviously educated so he could read and write which wasn't a given at that point and because there was not really much else to do you couldn't leave the city things were being bricked up that feels like very much in line with this whole Walking Dead thing. It does, right? I've, yeah. I've got ideas about plague literature and there's a there's a collection of stories from Italy in the, the 14th century called the Decameron and it's yeah. by Giovanni Vicaccio and it's it's basically yeah dark. survivors of a plague. <laughs> yeah, it's dark. It's survivors of a plague outside Florence. Ten people tell ten stories each and that's how they pass the time. So I do have these kind of things in my head about trauma and plague and how that leads us to tell stories and share stories. So it does actually tie in and I do want to get my zombie jam on with some of this stuff as well because there's some really interesting things about monsters that you could talk about oh man well maybe during the off season sometime um we could explore these topics a little bit more the plague or yeah that'd be wonderful pretty cool we should probably get back on track right now but i i love that yeah i'm really interested oh thanks for asking it's nice to talk about it (laughs) (laughs) okay where were we Um, you were on your number four uh, yeah, I was Althea. talking about my failed career as a war correspondent, mm-hmm. um, but that's fine. Um, yeah, I think with Althea, the, yeah, I think I can see I had uh, kind of, we'd been left, a lot had been left up to our imagination. And yeah, I think for better or worse, this episode humanized her. I thought it was interesting what she said to Morgan at the end. She's like, oh, you got a new ride to Alexandria. And I think in a way it was almost like she was a little bit jealous. Um, not in a romantic way, but I think that she might have missed out on the adventure. And she said something to Morgan that was quite interesting, which was, when I stay with people, I stay, but I don't plan on staying. And I think that was about Alexandria. She was like, I'll take you there, I'll collect the stories, but I won't stay there with you. Yeah, I, I was confused that. by that. It sounded like she yeah. was contradicting herself, but maybe she just meant, I promise you, I'll go all the way with you, but I won't stay there. Is that what it meant? I think that must be it. And I think I also think a bit of it's maybe bravado. I think she puts on this front of being like detached, but as we saw in this episode that kind of at her core yeah she's kind of driven by these attachments and i did feel very sorry for how sick she was like she had Mm -hmm. the the, like sick people sweats which i've only ever really had when i've had like really bad stomach flu and i just i felt for her in that moment 
that in the zombie apocalypse oh no thank you so one time i might have mentioned this on the podcast before but one time i had really bad food poisoning and it was just it, you know i won't describe it but it was horrible uh, and yeah. i went and looked in the mirror and i saw that i was pretty much sweat covered and totally pale or not yeah. sweat covered but i was just like moist and pale mm-hmm. and i was like i look like a zombie that is so cool literally <laughs> your skin kind of goes like waxy like people yeah. used to describe like oh the skin was waxing and i was like well, what the fuck does that mean but actually the week after you had the stomach bug this year i got it don't know how that happened over skype but whatever <laughs> i got it and i remember thinking like oh maybe i'm just like you know, maybe maybe i'm not sick maybe i just like i'm having a panic attack or something and i looked in the mirror and saw like wax and yeah althea-esque sweat face and i was like no i'm definitely sick yeah <laughs> see if you're a true fan and you look and see that you'll have a in in the midst of all that feeling like shit there's a little bit of glee like that is so cool yeah <laughs> this is what i'd look like if i turned <laughs> Okay, is it my turn? Uh, yeah, number four. <clears throat> my number four is about helping strangers because June oh. says to this new character and now old character, Quinn, well, I guess he'll still be around next week. Uh, we can work together. We can help each other. He's like, no, we can't. We're all the same doing things to protect the people we care about, people we know, people we love, but that's where it stops, right? I come with you. I'm just a guy you talked out of shooting you. Then she overpowers him. And then he begs not to be left out in the cold, but she's like, well, you, you know, you're the one who said you would just be the guy that pointed a gun at me. So get out. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I mean, I love this because I think about it all the time in relation to the walking dead and life in general, Uh that I feel like society can't work until we learn to have, empathy with people that we Mm -hmm. don't know and that we are in a position of uh, strength and not being taken advantage of. But at the same time, we reach out a hand and try to like connect with, with these people, you know, in a smart way, but in, in a, that's the only way that we're going to advance. As soon as you decide, no, I'm only going to help the people that are like me and fuck everybody else. That's where our progress not only halts, but I feel like it, it reverses. So this touches on some themes that are really important to me. Go on. It's interesting that you say that because that's basically what Rick does at various points to say, if you're not with us, you're not us. Yeah. You know, and he's like, these people are my family. And you're like, okay, but also y- you don't know. <laughs> and there's other times where it's he's like sending out Aaron to go get new people and stuff. So yeah. he goes back and forth. It's in- And I think I liked the kind of, it was almost meta the way that Quinn called that out and said you know i'm the basically i'm the first to go when things go south yeah i thought that was really interesting because it is kind of true you're always going to gravitate towards the people you know particularly in this kind of zombie environment but that's why you need to like try to connect more not less you know so that you won't be that guy (laughs) and he looked so sad when she said you're the one that said it and he's like yeah i did i'm (laughs) I'm really sorry sorry for him especially given what happens i was like oh man i know (laughs) well yeah see because then at the end she sees morgan oh you're you're helping people you're leaving drops at uh at these bomb markers and that's what prompts her to reach out on the walkie talkie and call Quinn and say, come to mom marker 27. I thought, Oh, that's so special. But because it's fucking walking dead, it gets him killed. Yeah. Of course. Cause the show does not reward that kind of a thing. <laughs> and there's a part of me that appreciates the sick and twistedness of that too. Whatever. It's been a while since, because they really set that guy up. Like he was going to be a new character. Yeah. 
Um, and I think I'd read that he was, I, I think he's maybe not a well-known actor, but he's in stuff. And there was certainly on a couple of the forums, people were like, wow, he's been cast as recurring. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, recurring. Oh no, wait, he died. I guess he's going to be a zombie for a while. Um, yeah, it's... I did. I quite like that the show did that, though. I liked that yeah, they, they tricked, killed yeah. him so quickly. Yeah. It kind yeah. of it made me feel a bit more like, oh, this is what I'm here for is the kind of shocking deaths and things like that. But no, you're right. It's it, the aspect of helping people is not rewarded that often in The Walking Dead, and certainly this <laughs> episode gave mixed messages about it. I would say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There. I mean, there's definitely it goes against what I believe in real life, but there's a part of me that's like mm. at this point, oh, good old Walking Dead. Like, if you know Lucy ever let Charlie Brown kick that football, I might be kind of disappointed. So <laughs> she pulled it away once again. Um, and the last thing I want to say about this is just that June. I, I didn't even occur to me until after the episode was over but you know they talk about him just being the guy who pointed the gun at her Mm. and that's who june was with madison she exactly pointing that gun and i like that she realized the weight of that when he said it you know she realized Mm. like yeah that is something that you get kind of tarnished with is the way that you meet people in this environment and people meet in these impossibly hostile situations like you'd be mad not to go in with your weapon raised but at the same time, those first impressions do last, even though it's a zombie pot. So yeah, no, I, I felt that was quite played out really well. I liked the way that they, they kind of played off one another. And yeah, R.I.P. Quinn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think, um, what are we going to call this woman? I, I've heard her, read her refer to as filthy woman, but that sounds <laughs> a little yeah, off. <laughs> A few reviews I was reading were like filthy women. I'm like, all right, like you know, nobody's that clean in the zombie apocalypse. I was calling her um, goth I'm, chick, but I'm like, nah, that doesn't really fit. She looks more goth chick. She she does have a name because it came up oh. in one of the, but it, like obviously we've never heard it. I think it just came up either on IMDb or a review, but I don't remember what it is. Oh. Um, yeah, she looks like a Martha. Let's call her. Let's that. go with Martha. Yeah, Martha. <laughs> so Martha wrote on um, Quinn's face something like. What it? Oh, fuck! What was she it? wrote? Um, people. Oh, hang on! I've got it written down here. People, you know. Yeah, so it's like she had written on Purvis's face that thing about take what you need, leave what you don't. So she's, I guess, listening on the walkie-talkie and just gets a hit of something from someone's character, and then she writes that on their face. That's what it seems. Are like. we happy? Are we happy assuming that Purvis is the box guy? Yes absolutely yes, at okay, this right. point after, after this episode because even um yeah she said you've made them weak yeah because i listened to you and Kristen last week and i was totally we on board with sure. you. i was like i don't know because i don't think that episode made it obvious but i think this one did yeah. well when uh martha or whatever her name is said you've made them weak purvis i i think that it was clear that she's saying by by dropping all that food to help them you made them weak and that is reinforced yeah. by her switching out clean water with dirty water <laughs> do we think that's why Althea's sick oh yeah maybe so i feel like they might have said something about it they're like don't drink water from that box people get sick but then again if it's different bottles they might not have twigged that that's what it was i just it wondered because be. we saw her do it yeah and the things that um june brought up like dengue fever um are water uh, what was it cholera and dengue fever uh they can be passed through water i think so yeah i thought it was quite interesting i wondered if that was um i quite like the idea that 
Actually, no, I'm going to I'm going to hold that because that's actually my next point. So we'll yeah. go go for it. <laughs> oh, wait, is it? Um, I was, uh, yeah. Number three. Uh, yeah, I was going to actually talk about the new enemy, uh, Martha. Mm -hmm. I like the idea that she might just be like the Joker, like she just likes watching the world burn. Like she's not part of a bigger terminus thing. She's not a leader of a group. She's just a force of mayhem. I quite like that. I quite like the idea that she's just sort of fucking stuff up and <laughs> is kind of there's something quite sinister about her. I'm, I'm growing. She's growing on me quite a lot, actually. I in one scene in particular, and I, this was my point was uh, Momo and Martha because when Momo, which is obviously what I'm going to call Morgan from now on, <laughs> uh, met her. It was a really tense scene because we as the audience know that she is bad news, but we know that Morgan is currently in a sort of help everyone phase. And I just, I felt really tense during that scene. I know I'm totally on board with Morgan, Morgan lives forever. I think that's his curse is that he's going to live forever. But it was a tense scene. I really, and I felt like you got a sense that Morgan was a bit freaked out by her as well. Um, the way that Lenny James played it and the way that he walked off and he was just a bit pissed off. Yeah, it almost made me wonder if he saw like, oh, that person is in a bad place and he recognized uh -huh. that because he's been in a bad place himself, but I don't know. Exactly, because he really backed off quite quickly and yeah. I was like, hmm, interesting. So I liked that a lot. I think that her... I've written down um, Evil Michonne and it's not the hairstyle, it's the, <laughs> having a pet walker. Um, nice. But I thought it was quite interesting that it's kind of a chain of walkers, so she'll kill We should call one. it that, Evil Michonne. Evil Michonne. <laughs> <laughs> evil Michonne. Um, I thought, yeah, so it's like a chain of walkers. She kills one, they then kill a new one, and she sets the other one free. It's just, it's so interesting that kind of random but also very calculated yeah way that she's acting i'm intrigued to see where it goes i think that the stagnant water trick is so disgusting and genuinely gives me the squicks like i think i would rather watch negan beat someone up with a baseball bat than drink <laughs> water that's been sitting out because in my favourite reality TV show, Naked and Afraid, which we get over here, which is absolutely mindless television, if there's one thing you learn from Naked and Afraid, it's that you don't drink stagnant water. It's not good. Uh, you will get sick and you will die. Okay. Um, well, maybe not die, but you'll get sick. And that, yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, you must be evil. Um, and I thought I liked, I kind of liked the horror story, horror film way that the ending played out. Um, I thought that was just such a nice bit of evil tomfoolery mm -hmm. to change the sign. And I think that they've done a good job in this episode with setting things up. And I think Quinn gave enough information to justify why they might go there and look out, look for him. You know, he's like, oh, I just passed 20. That is a bit weird that I'm now at 27. And yeah, I like that location of where he was and how the paths might cross in a bit more of an organic way so i'm on board with the new enemy so far um evil michonne is okay with me so uh, we'll see i'm i'm on the fence um well the fence so, isn't you know the fence isn't grumpy town so yeah no no sometimes <laughs> she she seems like she did step out of z nation i don't have you yeah. ever seen that it's I haven't, pretty campy I hear it's good. yeah yeah and uh 
which is could be fine um a couple of times i feel like her line readings are a little bit too theatrical but then other times they're great so mm. uh, i i'm trying to reserve judgment on the way that the actress is playing the role but i do love that she's just right now this agent of chaos kind of like like she's like a loki character or something exactly which is because cool. i'm fed up of you know the what Kristen was saying last week about the Terminus vibe, I totally am on board with that. And I think that had uh, Wendell and Sarah ended up being like people who worked for her, I would have been a bit like, this is another fiasco of wolves yeah. and a bigger conspiracy and blah, blah, blah. But I'm pretty satisfied that they're not working for her and that she is this kind of wild card. And I think that's mm-hmm. a nice direction to take it in just for a bit of a change. Because you're right, there is a lot of repetition um, so it's yeah, good to that's true. mix that up a bit. Um, she's very comic booky, which maybe is okay. That seems to be the mm. direction the show's going on because I think Sarah and Wendell are pretty comic booky too. Mm-hmm. She, uh, I, I did think you had to really suspend your disbelief to think that she could, you know, the walkie-talkies like are heroes tend to barely hear each other, but she seems to hear everything and she's very deft at like, being able to adjust the mile markers at just the right time. So the guy Mm. finds it just the way she wants him to. And then she sneaks up on him with her zombie who only makes a zombie sound right at the last minute. (laughs) That's like, really? (laughs) But on the other hand, I jumped at that and I can't remember the last time I've jumped at something in the walking dead. So that was a thrilling moment at the same time as being ridiculous. Mm. (laughs) And it was a straight up kill, which I loved. It wasn't a like struggle. And then he gets, it was like, Oh, he's okay. He's getting, okay. He's getting eaten. Cool. Right. (laughs) And then riding on his face. I don't know. It feels, I don't, I'm just, like I said, I'm totally of two minds. Part of me digs this, but part of me is like, oh, we've seen a lot of this kind of stuff on The Walking Dead already, so we'll see. It's quite gimple, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah. words and letters, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm intrigued. This is a question that I just had in my head. Is So you see, like, for example, in the main show, Spencer goes looking for Deanna after she's turned, so he knows who she's looking for. If June was to bump into Quinn the zombie. Would she recognize him? Because like their faces seem to kind of go zombified really yeah. quick. So I was just like, I wonder if it's like, if she, yeah. I just was like, hmm, do you recognize people I think <laughs> when they turn on the show? She would, but I think it would be cool if she didn't because she hadn't known him mm. very long. And I think well, in real life, thing, yeah. even when you just meet somebody and you see them again a, a month later and they're dressed differently, you don't recognize them. You know. Exactly. So if they're a zombie, you're really not going to. Yeah, for sure. But it was I. I enjoyed the ending. I have to say, yeah. There's suspension of disbelief there, but I liked it. It gave me a an uncomfortable feeling that I quite liked in terms of the last time I remember an episode finishing like that was uh, Bob's leg uh, with the the termites and that kind of last minute sort of shock and horror and that, <laughs> that was it took so me great. back to that, which I liked. That's one of my favorite parts of yeah. walking dead ever <laughs> oh so good yeah. so good so yeah i think the new enemy is is interesting I'm, I'm i'm on board so far um i had been skeptical but this episode i'm a bit more like hmm, just one person threatening a group is quite interesting we've not seen a lot of that so i'm definitely intrigued i also mm. read i read an article saying that the person was thinking you know everyone should really be that dirty because yeah, they don't I read really that take too. showers. 
It's like the women, they all have perfectly shaven legs, armpits, and plucked eyebrows. Like, Rosita's eyebrows are a thing Immaculate, of beauty. Yeah. Like, how does she maintain that in the zombie apocalypse? Like, I can barely look functional, like, on a Monday. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think in that sense, I'm going to object to filthy women as a term because I feel like that's, you know, it's value laden. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My number three is where we are, right? Is mm-hmm. uh, the term, well, the title is weak. And mm-hmm. you're welcome for me not making a joke about that, about the episode, the quality of the episode. Uh, <laughs> so, but there's a few different ways that that echoes throughout the episode. For one, Althea is feeling weak from her thirst and hunger and sickness and her low blood sugar and everything. Um, then, But uh, mostly it's about this woman, Evil Michonne slash Martha, yeah. uh, that she says um, when Morgan finds her and says things are tough out there, I know, then she's, uh, do you need help or whatever? She's like, I don't need any help. I'm not weak. So she's really fixated. Yeah. That's her fixation is is about weakness, maybe. Um, he goes, I didn't say, say you were, but then with Purvis, who I think she probably made up that name actually, see, it sounds like a made Mm. up name. So it's fitting that we're making up names for her, but, uh, (laughs) she says, you know, you've made people weak. So she thinks giving them this food is making them weak. And then the Mm. weirdest part is when she zombifies Quinn, she says, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be weak anymore. Hmm. Or something like that, right? She says, "Yeah, you aren't yeah. Weak anymore." It interests me. Yeah. So it's uh, that gave me a bit of a Lizzie vibe. Like, what is For her sure. perspective on these zombies? Because what what confused me about it, and what kind of intrigued me about it, is that she is not a zombie. Therefore, by her logic, she must be weak. But she says she's not weak. So there's clearly some kind of delusion there that she's. She's playing God almost with these creatures. And mm-hmm. I just, yeah, it's almost like Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> it was creepy. And yeah, if Lizzie had been left to, to grow <laughs> and not been shot in the head by Carol, uh, spoilers for the Grove. Um, yeah, she I can quite see her yeah. ending up like that. <laughs> she yeah. bra- braided her hair up. Uh, so, <laughs> a couple things about Purvis that I noticed is. Um, she says to him, you did what you were supposed to. Now I'm going to have to set you free to keep on doing it. And it almost uh, sounded like she was going to say to keep on trucking. And I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. <laughs> keep on, I mean, that was kind of the sentiment. Keep on trucking. And Wendell said uh, later or earlier at some point in the episode, you know, like the guy who we stole this truck from says when the road get that to bucking, keep laugh, on yeah. trucking. So <laughs> he finally got it right. But I, I guess he, you know, stole that from Purvis. So that was Purvis. I, I, that line did make me laugh. Mm-hmm. The way he kind of paused and went, well, the man who we stole it from died. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. So now Purvis is going to be keeping on trucking as a zombie out there. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Morgan also pointed out that he'd left journals in the glove box so morgan was able to learn a little bit about him which i thought was quite sweet that they'd kept the mm-hmm. roads clear and yeah i thought mm-hmm. that was just quite nice I, i'm quite glad we didn't meet him in a way it's mm-hmm. it's a nice sort of we have background we know who he was we know his ending but um yeah it's kind of we've got it's, it's an interesting position where we've got this image of a character who we'll never meet but we know quite a lot about yes i yeah mm-hmm. i hadn't thought about that at all but i really do like that because i think the show 
in a lot of ways has forgotten the angle that I always love about zombies is that they used to be real people. Yeah, you know? I always remember that in Rick in like episode two or yeah. whatever, where he's like, "This guy's name was John Smith." <laughs> exactly. Well, Every day I purpose. will remember him. <laughs> You're like, mm, "Will you, Rick?" Though. <laughs> This guy was called possibly Purvis. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number two. Uh, number two. I feel like I should comment on the new characters because I wasn't on last week. Um, I I think that I, what I liked about the three of them this week is that they're a little bit hopeless. Like, they're a bit hapless. They don't know what they're doing with it. And I like that Morgan has kind of... It's almost like he's proved himself to the gang by surviving and now they're kind of deferring to him as a leader, but they're quite happy with that. It's like kind of, not thugs, but that sort of, yeah. you know, like, like oh, when well, Morgan. He said, can yeah. somebody get some food for um, June and uh, and Althea? And Sarah's like, oh, sure. And she pulls a box yeah. out of the truck. And I'm like, oh, well, suddenly he's the foreman on the crew. Like, why didn't he uh -huh. just go get it himself? <laughs> it's like he sort of proved himself. Um, I like well, they've survived too, though. Well, that's the thing, is, but I think it's quite interesting. It's almost like this this survival of the fittest in terms of like the person who comes in and is powerful or, you know, shows kind of initiative and leadership. Mm -hmm. They sort of defer to, and I think it's really interesting to see Morgan in that role, like being a leader, because we haven't really seen that before. He yeah, tends to be more of a follower. Um, but that's where, yeah, that like they've talked about him on this show as the leading man. So I I think he's stepping mm. into that role. Yeah, it's interesting. I think um, Jimbo. Oh, Jimbo. Jimbo <laughs> looks like a guy I used to date who I, I could really be doing with not ever seeing again, so I'm a bit annoyed that he looks like that. But also, I find his character quite hilarious because he is like... I was remembering in the first half of the season that we were talking about the... Um, Vultures as being quite hipster, um, which yeah. caused a little bit of controversy in the hipster community. I apologize, guys. Mm -hmm. But Jimbo talking about his IPAs and his beer is just, oh, it's just quite funny. And when he <laughs> when he turned around to Morgan and said, really sincerely, "I know the look of a man who needs a drink," and cracked yeah. a beer, I was like, "Well, that's like a very strange advert for an artisanal <laughs> beer in the zombie apocalypse." But there I you love go. that because Morgan, he seemed like he wanted to deny it and be pure or whatever, and he's like, "All yeah. right, fine." He's like, fine, fuck it. Like, and I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm on board with beer in the apocalypse. I think it's really interesting. I once, Absolutely. I went to um, Iceland a few years ago, and we did a brewery tour. And the brewery tour was actually just the history of Iceland told through beer. And it actually does tell you a lot about a civilization, like their laws and how things have changed and trade and that. So I, I'm kind of on board with Jimbo, but. They're just such a funny lineup, Wendell, Sarah, and Jimbo. Um, mm -hmm. And I like that they are kind of lovable goofs at the moment. Yes. There's just they, uh, there's they, something like, about them. You mentioned they're hopeless or hapless, but uh, I guess part of hapless is you kind of have um, a, a sunny attitude about it or something. Yeah. Which is nice. They're just like, oh, we're tailgating. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. okay. <laughs> they're kind of upbeat a little bit. Yeah, and I like that. And I think they, they gelled better in this episode than they did in the last one. But I was glad to have the background of last week's episode to understand them a mm -hmm, little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I like that they call them skin munchers. Um, <laughs> and when they said that it's a one in a million chance of getting a seagull stuck in your uh, the grill of your car, uh, I can tell you that uh, at the age of 16, I was one in a million and my mum did get a seagull stuck in the radiator grill <laughs> of her car. So... It can happen, folks. Um, and the seagull comes out a bit warm because it's kind of been cooked by the radiators. So 
don't advise and don't eat the seagull. Um, and yeah, and the best part or the interesting part of that was the way she introduced it is she said to Wendell, you remember when dad hit that seagull and it got stuck in the hood, which is like, oh, uh-huh. shit, maybe they are siblings. I love that. <laughs> I love that there's some kind of mixed family. I just think it's really interesting. Yeah. And I loved as well, um, Kristen said it last week, having the representation of disability on the show without it being, uh, you know, we're just going to throw him in his wheelchair into the pit of zombies because it's easier. Like, I like that a lot. I like that Wendell's a character and his his chair isn't his identity. It's just part of it. And they've referenced... Yeah, I think that's... It's just something quite nice for the show to do in terms of representation. And I thought, yeah, that was a really smart point that she made last week about that. Mm-hmm. So generally, yeah, I, I felt they worked better this week. And I'm absolutely appalled that nobody that I've spoken to has pointed out that the actress who plays Sarah... Mo Collins. Is Mo Collins. She's Joan Calamezzo from Parks and Recreation, who's one of my favourite recurring characters. She's like the glamorous daytime TV hmm. host. And she's a hell of a comedian, Mo Collins. She's really funny. She's been in quite a lot of things that um, are really quite comedic. So I'm excited to see more of her. She was on Mad TV, apparently. And I saw her recently when I rewatched um, 40 Year Old Virgin, yep. where she played this yep, really kind of very lesbian woman in a speed dating session who was deciding to go to men for a while <laughs> and she was also in arrested development as um uh it's in like season one or something she's like a boat saleswoman or something basically joe buys her with a boat um she's a recurring character in that as well so i just thought it was I, I barely if i hadn't known it was her i might not have twigged but i was like oh mo collins so i think i'm i'm persevering with the new characters but i'm actually finding it not that difficult because i'm enjoying them at the moment um so yeah, for me, that was my number two, was the newbies. The Also, the thing about the seagull, it sounded like that was in the context of counting up points for killing stuff, and uh-huh. in which case that suggests they've been playing that game since before the apocalypse, too. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I like, do you know, I like that they just seem kind of ordinary. Like, I'm glad that they didn't turn out to be evil geniuses or anything. They're just like... yeah. It would be nice to have beer. Oh, this these boxes seem cool. Like, I just, yeah, I don't think they're the most complex of characters, but I think sometimes the show needs that. Like, it needs people who aren't going to be revealed to be, I don't know, like, agonizing over the death of their... Yeah. Although, to be fair, Wendell did lose his bees on free show. So, <laughs> you know, it's that, like, well, fun. yeah, I mean, Walking Dead does this too all the time. Like, Aaron comes in or, um, you know, Eugene and Abraham and Rosita. They just need new blood every once in a while Mm -hmm. it's on you know to be cynical you could say zombie fodder but (laughs) (laughs) no and i I, so i enjoyed them um so that was my my number two cool okay uh i'll just go with my number two as sarah who we just talked about a little bit so we Mm -hmm. said most of everything i was gonna say but uh, the last thing is, well, yeah, she called Morgan Momo, which I thought was pretty funny. And he's like, please don't call me that. And what did she say? I like it. Yeah. She just went, well, I like it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. And the, the other thing is um, she said at one point, that was a clean hit, which I don't know if they did this on purpose, but that is a classic line from Resident Evil 2, my favorite zombie. Oh, amazing. Game, <laughs> where in the very opening sequence, uh this leon the main character leon 
arrives in town, doesn't know anything about the zombie apocalypse, but it gets attacked and he's shooting a guy a couple of times and says, that was a clean hit. So that totally reminded me of that. <laughs> That's got to be deliberate. I mean, there's going to be someone on the writing staff who knows. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Number one. Oh, I'm torn because I have two things. One, I think, will probably be better for notes. So I'm going to go with June because I'm still not sure where I stand on June. And I had this thought today that they might be trying to make trying to make her Madison 2.0 and I just want old Madison. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want a new Madison. Um, it's that kind of thing where women of a similar age, you know, it's just, ah, I don't know. I just, I don't want her to take on that role entirely. Like, I, I think that's not quite, I don't know. It's a shame they couldn't have coexisted. It's a shame that they mm-hmm. had felt they had to have one or the other. Um, I didn't like her monologue at the start. I felt it was a bit on the nose and there was a bit of heavy exposition when she was like, we're out of water, Al. We can't keep walking in one direction until the sundown and then turning around and coming back to the van and then doing it again. And I was like, okay, uh we get what you're doing. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But there were bits that I also really liked. Like I liked her second monologue or dialogue with Quinn. Um, I thought that worked really well. What what one was that about? When she was like, you know, uh, I won't, you won't be the guy that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, Trying yeah. to convince him th- to chill out. Uh-huh. And, yeah. I thought their chemistry was quite nice there. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought she was good with Althea. You can tell that she has been a mum at some point. The way that she was almost giving Althea telling off, uh, it was quite paternal, <laughs> and also her kind of like nursing expertise was obviously really helpful there. I think she's really struggling with her identity in two ways. I think that being just June is difficult for her because she struggles with saying the name and you can see every time she says it, she's kind of not used to just being who she is. And that's that's quite interesting because she's obviously been living not as herself for a really long time. I think that it was ironic that she said to Quinn that they would get him back on his feet when the first thing that happened was he got knocked off his feet and eaten by a zombie, but that's not really a June point. Um, and the other thing I noticed, well, two things actually, she talks about almost becoming her again in terms of being the Laura Naomi figure who runs away and kills people and is, is cutthroat. She spoke about someone showing her a new way I thought she meant John, but it was Madison, wasn't it? When she said, someone showed mm-hmm. me that we don't have to be like this. Yeah. And the other thing that I thought was really interesting is there's kind of a parallel with Morgan with June, because I would say June and Morgan are both not naturally leaders, but in this episode we see them kind of learning to be leaders or shoved into leadership roles. Mm-hmm. And I quite like seeing that because I think it's more interesting than watching somebody like Rick who is you know a natural born leading figure it's more interesting watching them kind of fumble with it and decide what to do and sometimes make wrong decisions and kind of end up in those positions by default that's one way that she's better than Madison maybe then because Madison seems like a natural leader oh yeah Madison was born to (laughs) to kind of lead the way and I just think I think it's quite interesting that we got to spend time with two people who are less comfortable in Mm -hmm. those roles so I think overall I came out of it on board with June but I'm still a bit I was still quite cold towards her at the start and yeah the first kind of monologue to John I found a bit 
I mean, no one's ever going to be good enough for John, let's face it. I mean, the guy's an angel, <laughs> but it, it did leave me a little bit cold, whereas some of the later stuff I found much more um, compelling. And I enjoyed having her and Althea together because I think that having two cold women together is a brave choice. I think sometimes when you have two women on screen there's a tendency to put them into like one has to be quite warm and feminine and the other is you know is the oddball because they're not like that they're maybe a bit cold or a bit more uh, restrained but to have two women who are not falling into those typical categories is quite good I think and it's quite nice to watch the two of them talk about it um and get through situations like that so yeah for me that was that was a strong point yeah, I, I, I guess I'm feeling similarly about June as you. I, she's okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just yeah. She, but uh, one of the things I think, interestingly, that's appe- extra appealing about John is that he just loves her so much, and oh yeah, she doesn't seem to be to all of us good enough for him. But yeah, but he, but the fact that he is so devoted is is for really sure. cute. <laughs> And I think it's something a lot of people can sympathize with when you find someone who you love or who loves you unconditionally. If you've got doubt about yourself or a bit of self-hatred, you do kind of, I don't know, recoil. Oh, yeah. But why do you love me this much? I'm terrible. I'm a garbage person. And it's quite interesting watching her. It seems like his love for her is going to redeem her because it's it's forcing her to live up to that Mm -hmm. love. Not in an totally. awful way, not like, oh, I must always wear this dress, right. and I must always be the perfect woman, but it's he sees something in her that she doesn't see in herself. For her to and accept I think that's that. really sweet. Yeah, it can uh-huh. be it can be scary yeah, to like cuz it's almost like a responsibility or something like what if I don't live up to it or or no exactly. this guy is seeing something that's not there and then you have to think, well maybe maybe it is there and maybe I should just uh-huh. like chill out and and see what happens and take the risk versus just run away and yeah so i that yeah you're right that that totally feels real to me i think i've definitely been on that side of it where i'll self-sabotage a relationship for sure because i don't i think the person's probably gonna see who i really am before too long (laughs) well it's human isn't it it's being human isn't it you worry about these things and i think she and morgan are actually really similar like i was watching this episode and i was just thinking well they both struggle with attachment and running away and not wanting to let themselves get attached to things. And in that sense, I thought it was quite sweet that they made the effort to find each other in this episode because it's like their effort paid off um, to people who are quite cautious at times about connecting with people. They took a chance and in this case it did pay off and they did connect. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's nice. That felt like the show giving something back to those of us that are optimistic and hopeful about things. I mean, then Quinn got eaten by a zombie, but... And that, we don't know him. You know, Who I mean, cares? I mean, swings and roundabouts, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know Quinn. Who's he? <laughs> uh, as, yeah, as far as... Um, when you were talking about June and also Morgan being the type that aren't natural leaders, but when they're thrust in this position, then they need to figure it out. And I, mm. uh, I don't know if this is self-indulgent to mention, but I felt like that a lot in my own life where... I'm not mm. naturally going to step up and be a leader in all situations. In fact, I'm totally cool if someone is a is a being a good leader to just ju- you know mm-hmm. put my head down and do my part and be a part of something bigger. But then occasionally I'll find myself in a pos- in a leadership position and then I'll 
take take hold of it and do it you know so yeah i can do i can do either one of those um you're one of those people who creates community as well though like i don't know sometimes i think there's it's not even as simple as leadership sometimes i think there are people who people gravitate towards and create community and you know you've done so much with the zed head community it is it's a leadership role but it's also about kind of it's like a gardening thing it's like create the if you build it they will come yeah yeah (laughs) create the conditions for it to kind of thrive on its own or something (laughs) exactly (laughs) okay my number one, which was going to be my number two, but now it's my number one, is ridiculous and confusing things. <laughs> which we already talked okay. about some of it, the a uh, little bit crazy that she could manipulate the situation so well to her advantage, mm. Evil Michonne. Um, mm-hmm. That there just happens to be medicine in the bus mm-hmm. next to the van. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah okay uh that uh let's see when morgan mentioned to rick i mean not mentioned to rick he mentioned his friend that was talking on the walkie-talkie as long as he could that just felt a little like i don't know fan servicey to me oh i like that i'm gonna fight you on that. did he even know (laughs) did he even know because rick tells him him. they have a they have a conversation at some point about it where i think rick says you know i did try and reach you okay all right well that makes it a little better yeah yeah okay uh then let's see uh this is not totally ridiculous it's just a little more confusing that we saw um last we saw june she was with john and and i think charlie on the bus and then charlie left and we had that whole adventure with alicia and charlie and then alicia and charlie found the bus turned over so we didn't know what happened and now we see june with alicia but no john's and she mentions that she left john on the bus so that's just something we don't really know what went down right um no no we do because um al went to see what was happening up river and john wanted to go but um june said he wasn't fit enough so she went with althea instead Oh God! I totally forgot about that. Then what happened? Yeah, well, it happened so. It, I mean, it, it happened so quickly, and then John's left with Charlie, but Charlie disappears, and that's how John ends up with Strand. So I'm assuming we're going to see John and Strand oh, together next episode. Oh, okay. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But to be honest, I it says a lot that like the show's kind of twaddled away from the main plot so much that neither of us were like, huh, what? Yeah, yeah it's okay. I, I, I mean, think that's a fair point. Just need a little help sometimes. Uh, and then yeah. as far as like Al being mysterious about where she got the van and uh where um you know june asked if you ever had if she ever had someone and she said you spend as much time as i did collecting other people's stories you kind of stop having your own that's actually interesting i think maybe you know a reporter can be kind of like a doctor where doctors make the worst patients reporters make the worst interviewees maybe it just doesn't yeah. want to answer questions but it does sort of feel a little bit like i can feel the hand of the writer where they're just like we're not ready we don't know about al's character yet or we're just not ready yeah. to reveal it and it'll it'll come up in the story when it's supposed to where it, it would have it feels like sometimes it would make sense for her to just say well i got the van so and so if it was a real life it's like that it's like the whole thing in the first half where it's like, why has nobody just said, where's your mom? Is she dead? <laughs> to like Alicia and yeah, Nick were just like yeah. circling around and like, and what happened to her? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah I know what you mean. That is frustrating. Yeah, and that loss did that a lot to the, to, 
oh. worse than any show I've ever <laughs> seen. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that frustrates me a little, but those are small things. I'm liking the episode more um, now that we're talking about it. So let's get into notes. Yeah. Um, well, I actually, I can follow on because I had a couple of things that were suspension of disbelief. Because mm. one of the things I nearly had as a point was the idea of reality and what makes the show real and not real. Because I was thinking this morning about um, Nick and Madison and I was thinking about how much I missed them both. Just, you know, it's just a typical morning for me. I have my cup of tea and I think about how much I miss <laughs> Nick and Madison for 10 minutes. Um, but I was thinking one of the things that the Clarks did as a family unit was they kept the show really grounded. I feel like the show, there were no, there was no point in the show where I felt this has gone fantastical. I, f- I think like in The Walking Dead, it happens sometimes. You're like, like the you know, the garbage pale kids the junkyard mm-hmm. people that episode for me was probably the literal worst episode of the show ever because it was like star trek from the 60s and just <laughs> yeah it, i mean that just but, but i with nick and madison in particular they felt real they felt yeah. like real people who had adapted and mm-hmm. i miss that i miss that with the two of them um alicia as well to an extent but i think uh, we haven't seen as much of her recently and i think she's got catching up to do in terms of the affection that most of us felt for Nick and Madison there. So I missed that kind of reality, but there were bits in this episode that I thought were quite real and bits that weren't. And to talk about the bits that weren't, um, this trope in zombie stuff of people dying in cars, not killing themselves, but just inexplicably being in a car and sitting there till they die so that they're still there when someone comes along to try and get the car. I, I just, I don't understand that. I'm like, yeah. when you open the door to we the gotta car. We got to see like, that happen sometime. Ah, uh-huh, so I'm we just can a bit understand like, what yeah. happened. If you just sit there like, oh, I'm just going to close this window. It's a really hot Texas day. I think I'll just, <laughs> you know, go for a nap and then you just never wake up. Um, I don't know whether it was real or not real, but the car that um, Al and June ended up in had a really clean windscreen. And it really pisses me off in the zombie apocalypse that no one ever cleans their windscreen because that's like a liability. Like you want to be able to see stuff. So I was like, either they've done a really good job of cleaning it or this isn't very realistic. <laughs> but there was, on the other hand, some attention to detail that I quite liked. Um, I spoke about the sickness sweat, which I just thought was good. I like that the radio, there's a bit of radio fuckery, like they don't work easily. Um, You know, you have to go up a bit and find reception and all that kind of stuff i like that it makes it feel more real that these things wouldn't come easily Mm. um i thought it was interesting that they're so open on the walkies like i can't imagine that happening in alexandria and the sanctuary and places like that because you don't know who's going to be listening and it made me wonder if the texas people are just a (laughs) bit more trusting well it's interesting that um june especially was telling her intimate thoughts to john in hopes that he would hear you know, how did yeah. you know that, you know, I, you would find me? I didn't know. And and it felt almost to me like uh, she doesn't really it, it's things that she wouldn't maybe have the courage to say to him if he was right there. So this is yeah. sort of a way to let it out. But she probably doesn't I mean, really think he can hear it. In evil Michonne's favor, I would be living for the drama of listening to people's lives play out on radio. I would totally <laughs> be like, oh, I wonder what's happening with her today. And like tune into that channel. <laughs> um, but in terms of that, the other thing I liked, there was a couple of callbacks. That was another note I had. Um, we spoke about them both, the callback to Rick and the callback to Madison um, from June. And I thought another thing that made it real, and again, we spoke about this already, is the the protecting people we love and care about over the people that we just meet. Um, And I think there was an aspect of this episode where expectations were met 
which was nice. So things paid off. People came back. Like Althea didn't walk off into the distance only to be found in a later episode. She actually just changed her mind and got back in the car. Yeah, I was relieved at that. Yeah, I was just like, oh, that's nice. I'm Mm -hmm. glad, like I say, I'm glad that they actually met up because that paid off for just, you know, for once effort and patience paid off for the characters and that was nice to have it not be a fake out. Um, Other notes I have, I like the zombie with the stump leg. I thought that was really gross. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Cool. Just kind of fell off. Yeah, the opening shot was the walker stuck in the mud um, and someone walking away from the truck, which I liked. Morgan up the pole was a fab shot, but it was really terrifying. I do not like heights, and I got really, really nervous watching him climb that pole. And then I started thinking, could you live up that pole? Like, that might actually be quite safe, because zombies can't climb. But then I thought about Game of Thrones and the area where Tyrion's in that little prison, and the whole thing is you can't fall asleep because you might roll over the edge. <laughs> so I decided on balance that I probably wouldn't live up the pole. Um... Yeah, and that was that was kind of it. There just wasn't enough John Dory, but that's just you know we had a taste. We had a little like look at him yeah, in the first bit, but on video. Yeah, I mean, so I, I was left wanting more, but hey, story of my life. Next week, I believe, is John Dory and Strand. So that oh, I'm looking I hope forward it's to just, that. I don't know, watching John do menial household tasks <laughs> and talk about his feelings or something. Passing out um, candy. So those were my kind of my kind of notes. How about for you? As far as the fantastical nature, I yeah, I think in part that's just a deliberate change in the tone of the show, because yeah. that's definitely one of the things that I appreciated about Fear before is they seem to be really trying to make it more feel more like the real world and less mm-hmm. comic booky. And now they're um, Scott Gibble's like, well, we got higher ratings with comic bookies, so let's try that out. Yeah, it's a bummer, isn't it? It's like there are a bit little gimply things where I'm yeah, just like, mm, it's fine. I mean, Gimple's great, but it's like, <laughs> yeah, let's have something different over here. You know, I don't want Gimple on. Like, I wouldn't want Gimple to take over every show I watch. <laughs> it's kind of like a, a similar one is like I fell off the Doctor Who wagon because they had the same showrunner yeah. for something like five or six seasons. And it just needed a new voice. I'm quite excited for the next season because it's going to be someone new. And I feel like there's a danger of like over gimpling, oversaturation yeah, of gimple. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, because like you say, some of the best episodes, when I looked up A, the one we were talking about with um, Daryl and Rick, mm-hmm. that's an Angela Kang, Scott Gimple episode. Gimple's awesome. Like He's one of my favorite writers when he's really on. Absolutely. But like I said, I wouldn't want Gimple to suddenly start writing, you know, Game of Thrones or something. Stay away. Oh my God, can you imagine? (laughs) (laughs) That would be so bad. It's it's a tonal fit, isn't it? Yeah, it just wouldn't work. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be interesting. All right, so um, I don't have a lot of notes. Uh, Let's see. When There's one point when Althea's fighting a zombie and struggling and she's, I got a hit of Shannon, like that Shannon-ness doesn't come through, but she was so uh, distraught a lot of the times in Lost, her character on Lost, that uh, I felt that, which I I don't mind it. It's just, oh yeah, she played Shannon, I thought for a second there. Um, She's doing such a good job of not being Shannon that when it does happen a bit, you're like, oh no. (laughs) Right, right, right. And I was a little annoyed with her this time, but, but in a way that I actually think is better for her character. I'm more interesting. Yeah. So then the last thing is just, oh, you already mentioned the opening credits. It showed Althea's truck, right? Mm, I think Van. it was. Yeah, I think so. And somebody walking towards a Zed, I think. Yeah. We already mentioned all my other notes. So that's great. Thank you for helping me like this episode better. 
Oh, thank you for making my face in the world a little bit good. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's good. We'll take a little break. There is more to come. Stay with us. threat to untold numbers of citizens the people it kills get up and kill are they slow moving chief yeah they're dead they're all messed up this is a walking deadcast news update all right as you mentioned coleman domingo directed this episode entertainment weekly had an interview with him it was a long one you should check it out online if you want to hear Mm. one of the things they asked him about was how it was to direct people that he acts with and he said something like well he was actually glad that it was a lot of the new people in the episode but that they were lovely Mm -hmm. to work with and everything but uh then they, the one I thought was most interesting, they asked, I got to ask you, what's up with Strand? We haven't seen this dude since the storm broke out. What's he been doing? Besides a lot of drinking, I assume, because that's what it seems like he's always doing. He says <laughs> he's been doing a lot of drinking, but I think he's been reassessing. Strand is someone, as you've noticed, that each season he may take a moment to go away. Like the time that he was stabbed and in the hotel room and we didn't see him for a few episodes. I think that Strand is a thinker and he's going to reassemble and come out again. He's like a cat with nine lives. He's working on his 20th right now. So I think he's just reassessing everything and coming out brand new again. He's like a butterfly that goes back into his cocoon and then comes back again as a different butterfly. Oh, he is such a cat. He's definitely a cat. He's like an alley cat, like a badass alley cat who thinks it's like a pedigree and gets away with it, but it's actually like knows his shit. (laughs) He is. He's, he's, uh, as you mentioned, he came from the stage and he's a playwright. Actually, I think he even had a one-man show or something. Yeah, I think so. Next, Todd McFarlane is directing a new Spawn movie based on his comic book character that he created, a character that, Spawn will be played by Jamie Foxx. Jeremy Renner also stars. The reason why I bring that up is because it was recently announced that Greg Nicotero and his effects company, KNBFX, is going to be creating the design for Spawn oh, for cool. the movie. Yeah. So I'm glad to see That's him. That's awesome. I wonder if he's like kind of getting bored of zombies, you know? I I love Greg Nicotero, and I think that one of the things that the first Walker Stalker I went to, um, I dragged my boyfriend along, who's not quite as big of a Zed head as me. Um, but he the thing he liked best actually was the Nicotero panel. They're always so oh, interesting, yeah. even when it's just him and not like him and Norman Absolutely. or anything. It's he always has so much to say and just really fascinating insight into things. So if you're ever at a Walker Stalker and you aren't sure about the panels, Greg Nicotero and Charlie Adler yeah. are amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, he's one of my favorites to moderate to, and his career goes back to the Day of the Dead. Jaws, right? Was he? I think so. He he's been in a ton of, I mean, Evil Dead and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Lenny James was talking on Talking Dead. Apparently, I read this on ComicBook.com about mm-hmm. the toilet scene last week, <laughs> and I thought it was super toilet. cute. He said. In that scene where Morgan's using the bathroom, I'm English, so I read it and I was like, another day at the office. Uh, the sh- the boys, <laughs> the showrunners, and um, Scott Gimple were like, 
big scene coming up. Got this thing. Uh, we've never done it before. It's a real, it's a doozy. And um, yeah, never done it. And I was like, what is the scene? And I got to it and I already read it. And I was like, did I miss something? And then we went back and it was just me sat on the toilet. I was like, yeah, it's fine. We do that. If I got a penny every time I've gone to the toilet on television, I would have quite a few pennies. Uh, so does that make sense to you? Um, I think so. I, don't, I mean, we're not particularly toilety in Britain. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we like toilet humor. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny response either way. Apparently he's been a lot, on a lot of toilets. <laughs> Our most famous sitcom is a uh, toilet, uh, which is just loads of actors sitting on toilets. It's great. I'm surprised you haven't heard of it. Lenny James was great on that. Yeah. Okay. Next. Um, so I heard through a little birdie that the Walking Dead cast, the cast of the Walking Dead, is really excited about season nine in a way that they Ooh. haven't seen excited in a couple of years. In fact, I heard from that same birdie that in the past that they had like really been unhappy with some of the stuff that's gone on during these Negan years. Interesting. Yeah. And he, this person said part of that is maybe because they're getting to have more input into their characters. So this is just a nice. guess on my part, but it seems like maybe Angela King asked them for their input. For example, and this is all speculation and rumors, but there's a rumor that Daryl's going to get a dog this season. And I know Norman Reedus has wanted that for a oh. while. So I don't know if that's true. That'd be awesome. I think so. You know, the, the actors may be excited, but if it's because they get some more direction into their characters, that could go either way. I would think <laughs> there's also a part of me that's like when I used to do kind of theater stuff, there was always like on the final show, the actors like to do like a little fuck up, like something, you know, Oh, we're just going to do something that like, you know, Oh, but we'll, we'll actually, kiss rather than pretending uh -huh, to kiss or something uh -huh. and i do wonder sometimes with the walking dead if it's like you know season nine they're like fuck it yeah daryl can have a dog why <laughs> yeah. not like we'll just do a whole episode through the perspective of the dog that did happen once on an australian soap but um yeah that would <laughs> <laughs> be amazing um, Love it. it would be so great um so yeah why not fuck it yeah. like yeah i'd be all over that i mean i saw that <laughs> like uh, uh father gabriel in the trailer his one of his eyes is whited out like yeah and i'm like i wonder if that was a seth gilliam you know like people are saying i want this i want that yeah i mean why not they deserve it they've been, yeah. we've put them through the fucking ringer haven't we like if carol wants to i don't know open up a bakery and start a career as a musical <laughs> star why not like i'm all for it well speaking to carol the last item on the list today i'm not even going to tell you what it is but i learned accidentally a spoiler about carol for this season and like i said i'm not going to tell you but it's pretty interesting i think i know well it. we're not going to say it but if you guys who are like what is it tell me then just go online and search for carol and look in the news and you'll probably see what it is <laughs> i just couldn't believe that she and rick were long lost siblings i just think that's such a reveal lucy i, mean, I told God. you oh shit yeah. sorry and then she kills uh, rick and Oh, it's just it's depressing. Eats his eyes. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for the news. Let's get into Lister Moans, Groans, and Grunts. Uh, <gasps> so we have a ton of stuff this time. Let's go. They are detailed. It's great. I love it. I'm going to learn a lot, I think. <laughs> okay, so Jeff Allen says, Okay. So I know what everyone's main takeaway was from this episode, and I'm here to address all your questions regarding <laughs> Highway 365. Thank Jeff, God. I actually did have some questions, <laughs> so I'm all on board for this. 
First of all, there is no 365 in Texas yet. It's under construction, but it won't be 27 plus miles long. It also won't be anywhere near the route from Mississippi to the Austin area. Highway 365 in Mississippi is too short and too far east. Highway 365 in Louisiana is a good candidate, situated close to the I-10, but it's only 20 miles long. The only one that makes any sense is Highway 365 in Arkansas, but it's a north-south route, and Morgan specified they were westbound. Even if they were headed south, they would be going southeast, not west. But it is definitely long enough, and there's a very outside chance that one could end up near here if travelling from Oxford or Tupelo. Tupelo? Tupelo? Of course, June said that Morgan was only 50 miles away, so unless they chased Quinn into Arkansas, that one is out too. My conclusion is that the Highway 365 and Fear the Walking Dead is fictional. Please let me know if you have any further (laughs) questions about Highway 365. (laughs) And that's Jeff Allen at Um, highway365.com. In other news, Augmentin can cure the flu in minutes. Oh, yeah, that was my other thing. I felt like we just had like the zombie apocalypse traffic report. Massive carnage on Highway 365 today. Avoid. Speaking as like a, a teacher, I like that he gave us his evidence, his working and his conclusion. <laughs> I would give that assignment, uh, that weather report an A+. Plus. A+, plus, Jeff. <laughs> Evan Brookman says, I'm just going to throw this out there as general ZA companion ethics. If I'm out on the road with any of you, times are grim. Maybe you're sick, not bitten and sick. That gets a different promise. Things are so bad, I have to leave you sweating and near delirium in the back seat of an old Ford pickup. So sick, you can barely move or fend for yourself, but might be able to kick off, kick a truck off a jack. But I venture off. <laughs> Careful how you say that. <laughs> <laughs> but I venture off. I'm going to take 10 seconds and kill off any walkers in the immediate area. Even ones stuck on the edge of a bog that seem moderately harmless, even though they might be ringing the dinner bell for others of their kind in the not too far off distance. I'm going to do at least that much to try to leave you as safe as I can. Certainly plenty of other things could go awry. Leaving your companion sick and alone is a latch ditch effort. But please... This episode, which I really wanted to like, left me doing a lot of head scratching. Sure, they have to create dramatic situations, and I'm sure someone has been dying to do Walker stuck in mud breaks off rotted leg bit, but the setting for that scenario worked my nerve. Oh, I like that. Evan, you can come on a road trip. You're invited. (laughs) Chuck DeFore says, well, the woman making walkers is interesting. As far as the rest of it, I lost interest halfway through. Wow, this season is rough. Listening to you and Lucy is definitely the highlight of this season. Thanks, Chuck. I mean, that's, I would say it's a backhanded compliment, but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, that was horrible, but you're better. It's a big bog of shit, no. but like, you guys are okay. <laughs> I, 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 that's a great compliment. Thanks, man. I mean, I love it. sometimes Thanks, people say, I am only watching because so I can listen to your podcast and then I feel bad. I'm like, Aww. you should just not watch and listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I think my mom listens sometimes. She knows like nothing about zombies. She's like, oh, it's just nice. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> hi, hi, Lucy's mom. Pake Allen says, I'm a big apologist for this show, but man, this episode was a drag. Mostly just felt pretty filler and boring to me. When it finally got interesting, it was over. It was cool that Coleman Domingo directed it, and it, it's not his fault, really. His style was fine. Just nothing happened. There was a tiny bit of good character development, but it was buried in monotony. Well, Pake, let us know if we made you like it anymore. <laughs> Pake is his Instagram stories are honestly getting me through the last few weeks. He's so funny. Um oh, yeah, <laughs> I don't I know check that out. it's interesting, but he's hilarious. Um Cheryl Rainey Fox says, I enjoyed the character arcs of June and Althea. I don't trust Al at all or the dirty women. <laughs> Why is the dirty women collecting walkers as stray pets? Because she's crazy. 
Yeah. <laughs> Alicia Stout says, overall, I thought this episode was just meh. Three major points that stick out to me the most. One, how is that the Al got sick, took pills, and was cured within, it seems like, one day? I mean, what is the timeline in this episode anyway? Well, it's because she lied about being sick. No, I'm just kidding. Mm. Uh, two, there was something very off about that Walker kill with Al and her kicking the truck off that jack. Did I see it wrong, or did it look like that Walker wasn't even moving, and then all of a sudden, squish? The sequence just seemed off. I wasn't paying that close of attention, but I liked watching the walker's head get smashed in like a watermelon. Three, mm, if that was good. If Al is so attached to those videotapes and camera, why the hell didn't she just go back to the van, grab them, and take them with her? I give this episode three walkies out of five. That's still not too bad. Fair point. Fair mm-hmm. point. And she's used the sassy emoji, like <laughs> hair flick, which I quite like. Elizabeth Nikolaevich says, excellent episode. There's more than Walker's lack of trust and conflict over resources to kill you. Psychopaths appear a more insidious enemy. Fear the Walking Dead has momentum going for it and definitely deeper than anything in The Walking Dead. Nice. There's Thanks, a, Elizabeth. There's a counterpoint. Curtis Renwick says, not a great episode in my opinion. It kind of dragged. Althea still won't give us her story. It's getting old. I kind of agree with that. The Dirty Woman is interesting. She she is reminiscent of Morgan and Clear, except she's going after the living who are weak. Yeah, I she seems mm. more uh, focused than Morgan. Morgan seemed very distracted, but this woman is like very focused on, on doing mission. bad things. Yeah. I'm intrigued. The episode feels like an overuse of the Walking Dead formula. Scatter the group, then spend too many episodes to get them back together. It can work. I'm not feeling it this time. I'm bored and frustrated. Oh, Curtis. Jillian Moreau says, definitely not a top-notch episode in my opinion. Not bad, but not great either. Those head-scratching moments that have been mentioned annoyed me. But the progression of the filthy, creepy lady is interesting. She's evil. Pure evil, it seems. Since we saw her poisoning the water, I have to wonder if that is how Al got sick. Poor Quinn. I was kind of hoping he'd be a good one and join our crusade, whatever that means. Oh, well. Mm -hmm. Matt Henderson says, so was Quinn just traveling with Diesel in his backpack? And why are they villainizing a stranger who just took a seemingly abandoned SWAT van? I don't think they're villainizing him for taking the van. I think it's because, well, what was he going to do with June? He was just not going to give her the van yeah. back, right? I think I think he was I think he wasn't a villain by the end. I think yeah. it was the usual kind of yeah. Just distrust of um, strangers. Yeah, exactly. You just don't know, do you? Um Jason Robertson uh says, Great episode. I am loving Morgan on Fear of the Walking Dead. The new characters are great personalities I can't wait to learn more about. A new singular bad guy for now, as opposed to a group of bad people is looking interesting. What kind of crazy person dirties clean water left to help people? I still miss Maddie and Nick, but I am loving this back half so far. Thanks, Jason. I promise that's not me writing under a suit. <laughs> if he'd mentioned tea, then I'd be suspicious. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Rick Montalvan says, Fear the Walking Dead really does feel like the Walking Dead proper now, mainly this back half. I'm liking this season, but things have slowed to a crawl coming out of the break. My biggest pet peeve has come to fear the walking dead bottle episodes. I know you broke down what it really means, but I'm sticking to it. Damn it. (laughs) All right. If everybody Um, knows what that means, then I'm not going to argue. We've changed the meaning. Yeah. Um, Mofevo, reading the comments, it seems consensus, not a top episode. Do you change your review knowing it was Coleman Domingo's first time directing TV? How does it rank as a first time director outing? 
know. I think we covered that towards the start. I I like it. Yeah. I think, it's, I think it holds I mean, up. Yeah, and um, I don't know. It's so hard to, like, think, what if someone else had directed this episode? Would it have been much different or better? I do think that directing is more important than people realize especially having been in a play and realized how much of what happens is because of what the director says and how totally different it yeah. could be with somebody else but uh and one way to really see that is to watch um prisoner of azkaban the harry potter third movie with alfonso yeah. cuaron such a different yeah. style to that compared to the other ones you know mm. but anyways um I think also that the way this episode played out just had a lot to do with the story and no, yeah. not, you know, I think Coleman Domingo's directing was just fine and sometimes yeah. inspired two. as Lucy pointed out. Yeah. Well, two of my, two of my closest friends are directors, theater directors. Um, so I'm always on the side of the director when I can be, because they get a lot of shit, <laughs> like, mm. you know, they, you, they don't always, they, they tend to get the blame when things go wrong, but not the credit the praise for when things go right doesn't always come up so yeah i think it's it's interesting and it was it's made me think i should pay more attention to directors of episodes in the future because i was specifically looking because i knew it was coleman um so yeah no i think that's a fair point that yeah. makes. i mean look at um game of thrones i don't know the guy's mm. name but there's one guy who's directed michelle something i forgot but he's directed a lot of the biggest battle episodes and it's so amazing mm -hmm. like uh oh it's great the one where well i guess i shouldn't spoil but anyway Blackwater? no the one uh with the, uh, the ice and the uh, all the uh yeah zombies uh the one where the blank does the bl <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was the most amazing thing i've ever seen okay uh yeah. we have one call it's from steve brown Hey, Walking Dead cast, it's Steve. Said a couple of thoughts on uh, this week's episode of, of Fear. Um, I'm glad that our, our characters seem to be coming back together because I always like it when the ensemble is together. I don't, I don't like them when it, they're all spread out. I'd rather have them together. And, um, and it's, it's still interesting because we don't know who's actually been laying out these boxes or who owns this truck. I mean, maybe it was Quinn. Maybe it was this Purvis Zed, or maybe it was the woman all along just trying to poison people, which I, that doesn't make sense because you would think other people who've been drinking that water would be getting sick, uh, not just mm. Al. So it was that was a little confusing to me. I saw some people posted uh, some posts about that the woman was poisoning the water that was in the boxes. I don't know if that's actually what she was doing or she's now poisoning the, the boxes. I, it, it was a little confusing to me. Um, I didn't like the fact that, that Morgan just sees her and then just leaves her. And he's all about picking up people and helping people. And yet here's this crazy, obviously crazy woman on the side of the road who he just leaves there and just like, okay, bye. I'll see you. It, it doesn't, that didn't make sense to me. His character is being very confusing this, uh, this mm -hmm. season. I understand how he's playing it, I guess, but it just, they're writing it very strangely to me that's really all i had for now uh, here's my zombie sound I haven't heard one of those in a while <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know man i would advise you if you want to help somebody and they say no that you should probably leave them alone yeah i think that don't you think? i thought it emphasized that she's got a bad feeling um that, that, that 
there's something you know when you meet someone sometimes and they just put your teeth on edge a little bit and you're like mm, not not the person not the yeah um yes actually i i am what i just said i'm not so sure i agree with, with myself like it is sometimes especially with a friend mm. you want to help them they say no that maybe you should be a little persistent but um in this case, she was very clear. Yeah. You know? She just, I think that the way Lenny James played it seemed to me like he got a bad vibe. Yeah. Um, and so what? what is he supposed to do? Yeah. I think he was on a different like, mission at that point, wasn't he? He was like, yeah, my, my yeah. point is Sometimes to... Sometimes you just meet someone in the road and you say hello and then you go on your way. You both go on your and way. And then after they get eaten, you take their backpack. <laughs> <laughs> or they poison your water. Yeah. Both are possible. <laughs> and yeah, I think um, Steve, hopefully Lucy and I have either cleared it up or we were completely wrong and we made you more confused. Any feedback? Welcome. our explanation. Of this <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we have a few emails. Um, I think it's your turn. Okay. From James Galunas. Uh, this new guy, Quinn, I kind of like him. Interested to see what kind of stories. Never mind, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad Al is going to get her van back. Okay, skip that too. Crazy mud lady has it. Do Sarah and Wendell seem disingenuous to you? I find myself deeply distrusting them. They already stole the truck from the guy who had it left him on the side of the road. I wouldn't trust them farther than Wendell could walk. I hope I'm wrong because they seem like a lot of fun to have around. I don't think they're they have some plan that they're not telling everyone about. I definitely think that they are um, d loyal to each other. And at this point, n nobody else, if things are going bad, they, they would just take off or yeah, protect I've, themselves at the expense of anyone else. I've got them down as lovable idiots at the moment, but I, you know, I could be proved <laughs> wrong. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like if um, mm -hmm. at this point, if things got hairy, I don't think they would go out of their way to save Morgan or even Jim. No. If it was dangerous. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think that's like, right. And it, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean they're terrible people. Is it? No. You know what I mean? It's that kind of thing where it's like, yeah, you know, would you, like, at the end of the day, would you? Do you know what I mean? It's that sort right. of thing where, yeah. I mean, they're not the best people if that's how they're going to no. be, but they are probably the average. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, medium bad. Like, they're not, like, poisoning the water, but they're not also, you know, saving people. So it's, yeah, yeah. middle ground. <laughs> Right. But they've, yeah, I think they're like, all right, we'll, we'll see where this road takes us. Morgan has some ideas. Let's see, see how that goes. Excellent. Yeah. Troy Simmons says, enjoyed your commentary. Uh, this is about last week's episode uh -huh. as usual and agree with everything y'all said about the new characters. Just want to let you guys know where I remember Daryl Chill Mitchell from. This is Wendell. Way back before Gal Galaxy Quest and other shows, much like Will Smith and around the same time in the late 80s, Chill started his career as a rapper in the rap group Groove B Chill. Shortly after this video came out, he was given a small part in the classic movie House Party starring Kid and Play. I remember that, where he played yeah. himself. So glad his accident didn't derail his career as an actor. Anyway, here's a link to that video, which I think came out in 1989. So there's a rap video in here. I'll put it link in the show notes. On, for you on YouTube, and then he goes, "Keep doing what you do. I'll be listening." I that's uh, wonderful that he is actually like that's he actually lives as a wheelchair user, and um, I think that's really great that they've incorporated that into the character. Um, 
yeah, because sometimes you know you get people who don't have a particular condition playing that they do, and you know there's a lot of debate about that. But for Daryl Mitchell, that's great. That's really cool. Um, yeah. And I did wonder why in the email with the agenda you'd attached a hip hop video by Groove Be Chill, but now I know it's from this. <laughs> <laughs> did that? Did that actually show like a YouTube? Yeah, it, it did in the there. Gmail oh, thing where it came I up didn't. at the bottom, and I was like, I'm just not going to ask. Maybe it's an accident, but um, I'll watch it later. <laughs> I didn't even watch it yet. Oh, this okay. So this last email looks fun. Okay, it's from Zantes Fire. Hi, long time listener, first time responding. Been busy or lazy or too much to respond to. Decided to write in now because I think AMC is losing out on a great opportunity to expand the Walking Dead franchise. Since Andrew Lincoln is quitting the show because he doesn't want to spend so much time away from home, how about Lincoln takes the show with him? The way I see it is at the end of the next season, things calm down and Rick takes a boat ride on a fishing vessel from a newly founded fishing community. The boat runs into a storm and they end up drifting and picked up by pirate scavengers. They promise to return him home if they help him secure an oil tanker to take to a Canadian island. It's somehow full of the dead trapped on board and needs people to help clear them without guns. They manage to clear a path to the control room and turn on the automatic system by accident and the ship sets off to Europe. <laughs> they get trapped in a room but manage to escape later once they are out at sea and they kill off the rest of the dead on board. Rick wants to stop the ship but its programming is stuck and if they destroy it they'll be stuck in the middle of the Atlantic. <laughs> the ship crashes into a European port so they can't use it to return home. They find most of Europe has regressed to a serfdom system controlled by royals. Well, I mean, we are at the moment. Um, either with legitimate titles <laughs> or self-proclaimed, and there's fighting, mostly between the legitimate and the illegitimate. Rick takes on a fake British accent because the overall belief <laughs> is that at best, the Americans could have helped them control the dead virus in other parts of the world, but they didn't. And at worst, the Americans created and released the virus. Rick tries to find a way to go home, but ships are hard to get and no one wants to go to the States. They can call it Walking Dead, colon, Rick Grimes' European Adventure, or Ye Oldie Walking Dead. And the other reason I'm writing in is in reference to episode 10. Even though Alicia can kill a grown man for destroying her life and getting her mother killed, she still can't kill a child even though she killed Nick. Instead, it seems as Alicia is taking on Charlie as her squire, since she's already assuming the role of knight, evident when she takes on a classic maiden in the Tower Rescue in episode 9, which she only fails because he was already dead. Having Charlie mm -hmm. carry her lance, I think Alicia has decided to honour her mother by reforming Charlie. Oh, I like there's that. lots in that email. Alicia as knight. <laughs> <gasps> That's so interesting. Oh, I have thoughts about this, but also I'm so on board for Rick Grimes' European vacation, You'll Be yeah. Walking Dead. That sounds fantastic. Me too. In fact, if they um, did that, it, I would love it. It would be amazing. Just fucking throw all caution to the wind and do this crazy Someone story. get Andrew Lincoln on the phone now. I mean, this is golden. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know. If I ever get a chance to show him this, I'm going to show him. I, I, um, I know it's, you're kind of mostly kidding around, um, but if they did do it, they probably shouldn't have him faking an English accent, but everything else uh, I'm on board for. <laughs> they did have Andrew Lincoln um, use his natural accent on an episode in The Walking Dead um, when Tyrese was hallucinating the radio 
um, there was like a British oh, voice. Oh yeah. Like, uh, the the insurgent blah blah blah, and that's actually uh, his that's voice, right. which I thought was cute. <laughs> like, that's awesome. I love that. Thank you very ever, much, Zanti. Do you ever watch Legion? I do. Yes. Yeah, when uh, Dan Stevens got to play a version of himself with an English it's accent, that's so was good. funny, isn't it? It's like when David Tennant talks in his Scottish accent, and everyone's like, "What?" And I'm like, "That's what he sounds like. He's from here." <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Yep. All right, that is our show, episode 323. Thanks for listening, everybody. That was really fun. Um, sometimes when the episode, I don't like it as much, that the podcast is more fun for some reason. Why is that? I think, yeah, it gives you something. I mean, it's it's not agreeing about everything, isn't it? And not disagreeing yeah, guess, either. It's yeah. like discussing it and getting more out of it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, or even felt- I think the idea of me like deciding, you know what, I might not podcast about Fear of the Walking Dead anymore. That kind of made me feel a little more freer to yeah, just talk about your thesis or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm always up for that. So. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, if you guys want to give us a call, of course, you can always call us at 650-485-DEAD. That's 650-485-3323. You can email us at brains at podcastica.com. And of course, you can always email your voice uh, messages to that address, yeah. too. I'd like to hear from some people overseas. I don't feel like we haven't heard. If you guys are out there, send us stuff. Yeah. Um, you, you can also find us on the web at facebook.com slash deadcast. And be sure to check out our other shows at podcastica.com. Right now, that is, I mean, the only podcast that we're doing that's not on hiatus is strange indeed and they're talking about castle rock and i just guessed it on it last week oh wonderful yeah it was pretty cool i i I, that prompted me to binge the show and it's great if you're a stephen king fan that's a great show next episode fear the walking dead season four episode 13 black jack which is the licorice taffy that john dory says june would enjoy in his tape in this episode so i don't know the episode will have taffy but it's john dory maybe he'll find some (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening. Keep Keep on on trucking, Jeff Jeff Allen. Allen.